Welcome to Rock Candy! Hooray! <laughs> Your weekly sweet treat of stories and tales from the deep, dark world of music. It's super deep and dark. So deep and month. dark. Hosted by two deeply drunk girls. <laughs> I'm Maggie. I'm Ashley. And this month, y'all are in for a treat because it's Metal Mania! Mania! <laughs> That was really good. That was great. That was so good. We're really good at making guitar noises with our mouths. Yes. So, guess what, kids? We are treating you guys to two big... It's a a two-parter. Two two two-parters. Two two two-parters this month. And the first one is a pretty pretty big... It's a behemoth. Good word. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. You know why? Because we're talking about the Norwegian black metal scene of the 80s and 90s. Not a good time to use air horn. I'm going to use an air horn. I'm super excited about this. Yes. Um, I've been wanting to do this since, like, we started. Yeah. And Grace like, do you want to do a podcast? Like, I want to talk about Norwegian black metal. I'm like, I mean, that's fine. But but do you want to do everything else? (laughs) Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. But like Norwegian black metal. I really want to do Norwegian black metal. But yeah, I'm super fucking stoked about these two episodes. And like, I was so stoked that I actually got my notes done early. And that never happens. Right? (laughs) Yeah, I have to admit, Metal Month, I'm working on my notes really early and doing really well with them. Because metal's fucking awesome. Guys, metal's the fucking best. (laughs) Just fucking hold on to your butts for Metal Month, because it's the best month. Yeah. And this this story, uh, I feel like a lot... Uh, I feel like this Norwegian black metal story has been on people's minds for yeah. some reason lately. I don't a really lot know of, why. A lot of podcasts have covered it. Yeah. At least, like, I know at least two, and I've heard other people talking about it. And, yeah, a lot of people have talked about us about, like, the Lords of Chaos book that you've been reading. Yeah, which is where pretty much all of my information is coming from, is the right. Lords of Chaos book and a 1996 uh, spin magazine article yeah which sounds ridiculous but that article i read i had that magazine i read it back when it came out in 1996 and that was when baby ashley was really into uh rock the rock music death metal i like spin magazine (laughs) even though it fucking sucks but (laughs) but i read that i read that article and i was like these people exist my brethren Come to me. This is where I <laughs> this belong. This is fantastic. This is where I belong. Meanwhile, baby Maggie's like, I like the Spice Girls. I mean, I liked Hanson at the time, too, so <laughs> I, we're not all innocent here. <laughs> well, wait. Isn't like that the opposite of innocent? <laughs> Which is worse? Mm, Norwegian black metal with dudes burning churches and killing each other. Or Hanson. Hard to tell. They both had really good hair. True. Mm. And honestly, come for me, bros, but Hanson are really good musicians, and they do make good music. I'm going to say it. Ooh. Don't laugh at me. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I only know, like, two of their songs. I can't judge their entire discography on their two singles. Don't. Don't judge their whole discography on two singles, because it's not fair. Right? Anyway, I digress. Yes. And I will say, I know a little bit about Norwegian black metal. like, But... I think first we should talk about the beer that we're drinking. Oh, that's right. Because we are drinking a beer called Satan's Gut Stout by Rare Form, 
who is from the beautiful city of Troy, New York, Yay! which is where we are. Yes. Um, Shout out to our friends at Rare Form. Yes. That's kind of our, I would say, home base as far as bars are concerned. Yeah. It's it's my fave bar. Yeah. In like, Troy. It's it's easily one of the best breweries in the Capital District. And, and- I've... I've had so many good beers from them, and yeah. they're fantastic. And big shout out to Greg for literally crawling through like their basement right. <laughs> and found the last bottle of Satan's gut because we were so upset that they had sold out, and somehow he found it. So yes. thank you very much. We are very happy to be drinking. Thanks, Greg. This beer, and we're also drinking because as if one beer ain't enough. It ain't though. It ain't. <laughs> we are also drinking. Uh, Dead Guy Ale by Rogue because <laughs> well you'll, you'll soon find you'll out you'll find out I thought I was fucking brilliant yeah. thinking about <laughs> it was like when I realized the Janet Jackson episode that yes. we could drink coffee stout it was that kind of moment <laughs> it was butt juice moment <laughs> Hashtag butt juice moment. Oh, don't turn that into a hashtag. (laughs) But anyway, so let's get into this, right? Let's dig on in. Let's let's light the matches on this one. Oh, so many good fucking arson puns we're going to be coming up with. Just arson puns. (laughs) Just arson. Okay. Picture it. Norway. Late 80s. Things are going pretty well. Norway had had years of prosperity and growth. Standard of living was high. Fucking gorgeous scenery. It's like a fucking, you know, 80s ski movie up in that shit. <laughs> yes. Um, also, the majority of Norwegians are Christians, oh. but not really practicing Christians. And it's really a country of tolerance, Okay, I would say. Like, everybody's kind of born a Christian, but don't really do anything about it. Like, they are... Christians, but it's a true secular nation. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And the official Christianity of some sort is the official religion of Norway, but no, everyone's real cool with it. You yeah. Know? So <laughs> everyone's real cool with yeah. it. So life is pretty good in Norway, right? Sounds great. Well, some people didn't think so. Oh, what? Yeah. But things are real good. <laughs> Thus, we have the Norwegian black metal scene of the late 80s and 90s. This scene started out with a bunch of ragtag, mischief-making, bratty-ass teenagers (laughs) hell-bent on spreading evil all over the world through a new kind of bone-crunching, ear-splitting metal, the likes of which the world hadn't yet seen. But these guys took shit a big step further, stifling their story with murder, suicide, and a slew of church burnings, and maybe a little cannibalism. Ooh. Tasty, tasty. (laughs) (laughs) So the original Norwegian black metal bands are still considered to be some of the hardest, darkest metal bands around. Some of these bands are still around today in some form or another, like Dark Throne, Satyricon, Gorgoroth, Enslaved. Although I'm not entirely sure Enslaved is is black metal, but sure, why not? You know what? I think that's a good that's a good chance. To inter- interject, maybe we're gonna get some things wrong. Don't come for me. Like you know, you don't have to come for us. You can just like politely say, "Oh, I was listening to your last episode, and I did hear that you said this." However, I have a correction for you. Just be polite, and we'll correct it. Yes. We're not perfect. Yeah. We're learning. Yeah, and I have to say, I love metal, but I am very much a casual metal fan. Right. Um. Whereas, like, my my boyfriend is so into it he knows everything 
but I I can't even begin to like crack the surface. Yeah. I have to take this shit one band at a time. Oh yeah. I cannot just dive headfirst into this. So I'm still very much learning. And I'm probably gonna mix up death metal with black metal. I know they're different. Right. Be patient. I know. <laughs> just you know, doesn't doesn't hurt to be kind. <laughs> it's hard to be a nice person. Exactly. We're mostly going to be talking about two major bands in the Norwegian black metal scene in this episode, Mayhem and Burzum. Mm-hmm. Mayhem was started in 1984 by lead guitarist Oysten Arseth, mm. and I looked up how to pronounce these names. <laughs> so, did you like give yourself a little key to of like how to phonetically say these names? I just kind of like memorized it. How do you, it's, why? it's it's kind of a lot. I I took German when I was in high school oh. and college and there's a lot of differences between the two, but the German and Scandinavian languages are very similar in the sense that they have letters that make no fucking sense to any American. <laughs> so you kind of have to be like, oh, yeah, that's how you pronounce this. Right. Yeah. Unlike someone who took Spanish and you're like, oh, it's just pretty much, yeah, hola, hola. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. It was uh, started in 84 by lead guitarist Oyston Arseth, or Euronymous, mm. which he became, he came to be known. That's what he nicknamed himself. That was, that's the thing that they do. Oh, yeah. They nickname themselves. <laughs> Y'all will soon discover. So. They're big on the nicknames. It's like roller derby. Yeah. Yeah. Black metal is a lot like roller derby. <laughs> is there as much bickering and infighting and, <laughs> and, and stabbing and murder? <laughs> okay. Well, maybe I'll stop at the stabbering. Stabbering? Back, backstabbering? Backstabbering. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Backstabbering, but not front stabbering. <laughs> Uh, so we'll also talk about uh, Varg Vikernes, mm. also known as Count Grisnok, sole musician of his band Burzum, and all-around bigoted piece of shit. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, these guys are great. Ooh. <laughs> Both of these guys would become notorious around the world for the Satan-fueled crimes they committed, but by 1994... One of them would be dead, and the other would be in jail for murder. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> but first, let's talk about a little background metal. Ooh, background metal. That background sounds like metal. lovely, like, quiet Muzak version of metal. Yeah. Like, it's just, kind like, of midi, like, midi guitars. Kind of like what they play at Fintroll in yeah. uh, the grocery store yes. <laughs> in Metalocalypse. Yes, that's what it is. All right, we figured that out. <laughs> that's background metal. Excellent. <laughs> Now, the Norwegian black metal scene is actually referred to as the second wave of black metal. The first wave happened in the late 70s, early 80s with a little band called Venom. And what made Venom different than other black metal bands around the time? First, they were actually from England, not oh. Scandinavia. Oh. Second, Satanism. Oh, that's exciting. <laughs> Satan. These guys were all about shocking the shit out of everyone with their crazy metal outfits and lyrics about Satan. Their goal was to be intimidating, and part of that was renaming themselves with evil-sounding nicknames, like Kronos, Mantis, and Abaddon. I like Kronos. Mantis, arguably, not that intimidating. Well, it's Mantas, M-A-N-T-A-S. Less intimidating than it was before. (laughs) Not the bug. Not the bug. Do you know what? Okay. Maybe I didn't look up what it meant. I'm sure it means something totally metal, but yeah, I don't know. We'll go with that. Sure. <laughs> we believe you, Mantis. However, they owned up to the fact that this Satanism stuff was all an act. 
Oh, okay. They weren't really Satanists. They just played them on stage. But that didn't stop the Norwegian guys from taking it really seriously. Mm. So, like, Venom really portrayed this, like, we're totally fucked up Satanists and we're going to talk about Satan and black magic and all this shit. But then they would head off stage and, like, go to the bar next door and, like, drink a few brewskis with their, like, Corona shirts on. You know? (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? Like, Sammy Hagar was just hanging out with them in England? Probably. Whoa. My God. I don't know. I don't know. He's like, you know, I actually really love the album 5150. I think it's an underrated Van Halen album. It is a good one. It is a good one. (laughs) I don't think anyone thinks it's underrated. No, it's not under. It's actually one of their best albums. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway. Uh, The one band that possibly had the most physical influence on the Norwegian black metal scene was King Diamond and his band Merciful Fate. Have you ever heard King Diamond? No. Stop right now and just go listen to fucking King Diamond because I can't take King Diamond seriously because he sings in this like crazy falsetto and it's really good and he's really fantastic at it. But I just I can't I can't do it. (laughs) Now, these guys really look the part of the typical black metaler. King Diamond is well known for his black black and white corpse paint, which would become a mainstay in the black metal scene for years to come. Oh, yeah. Um, That's when you would paint your face in black and white paint to kind of accentuate your bones. Yeah. So you kind of look like a corpse. Yeah, I was going to say, you you would look a bit dead. Yes, you look pretty dead. Just a little dead. A little bit. Touch of death. Like, like you got advanced consumption, but like, you're just not that dead yet. You gotta gotta dab your cheek a little, you got a little blood on it. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, 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 there you go. So the black and white corpse paint would become a mainstay in the black metal scene for years to come. And he often used a microphone made of two human leg bones lashed together in the form of a cross. It's pretty goth, right? That's real fucking metal. Right? That's real fucking metal. I'm horrified and fascinated. And he would hold it like, you know how Freddie Mercury would hold his microphone? (laughs) So he would have his microphone kind of like that with the cross on the part that goes up in front of his face. So it was like an upside down cross made out of leg bones. It's great. Oh my God. I'm just picturing a Photoshop picture of Freddie Mercury with his motor or his microphone. Super goth with, f- with yeah, corpse with paint. instead of fucking a microphone. Uh, amazing. We Somebody should Photoshop yeah, that. I would like. If it's not Photoshop, someone do that. Yeah. So King Diamond also talked the talk. They were really into Levian Satanism and they really practice it. They didn't do it just for theatrics. They were really into it. Okay. The third and possibly the biggest influence on the black metal scene is the band Bathory. Yes. Bathory was spearheaded by a guy named Corthon from Sweden. So they actually weren't even Norwegian. They were from Sweden. Okay. And they released several albums in the late 80s and early 90s. And their early releases explored themes of Satanism and the black arts, much like Venom did. Even their look evoked images of Venom. But much like some of the kids in the Norwegian Black Circle, that interest in Satanism would eventually turn into an interest in Old Norse mythology. Okay. Especially in the case of Varg, Vikernes. Yeah. Who would eventually use this, like, this newfound Norse mythology ideology thing. love for the old gods. And love for the old gods as a way to, like, rail against society. Like, oh, fuck you guys. You forgot about your Norse gods. Yeah. Yeah. Also an excuse to uh, be a racist. 
So, oh, yeah. Because this yep. is how, like, Norse mythology became associated with the white supremacist movement. Well, because you're just supposed to be white if you're Norse. Right. Like... I'm sorry, black people, you just can't, you're not, you just can't, you don't fit the stereotype, you can't come in here. Right, well... Every, we're not racist, we just, you just can't. Yeah, because if, if these Norse gods were uh, based on Scandinavian people, mm-hmm. they're pretty much all white. Right. So, of course, all their gods are going to be white, so right. of course, you know, the best people in the world are going to be white. So I mean, there you, sure. There you get the Aryan nation. So <laughs> thanks. It, it just seems like one of those schemes, like step one, dig a hole. Step four, profit. Like, I feel like they skipped there's, a bunch of some, steps There's something the missing. There's something very there's much something missing. There's something missing. Okay. Just, it's not just me. I'm also no, really, no, you got it. You really got it. Really digging through the Satan's gut, so. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so Bathory would also be one of the first black metal bands to use nationalist imagery, like we were just talking about. The back cover of their 1990 album, Hammerheart, features a sunwheel cross closely associated with the white supremacist movement. Cool. Yeah. They didn't, apparently they didn't do that on purpose. Um, well, what came first? Like, was it them or did the white supremacist? Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> did you just answer your own question? Yeah. Well, I think, I'm, I can't be <laughs> sure, but I'm pretty sure... The Nazis use the Sunwheel Cross as kind of like a symbol for their racist bullshit. I don't know. But it wasn't a very well-known thing. I'm sorry, I'm not really well-versed in my racist symbolism. Right? Sorry. <laughs> I, uh, this is just what I read. I don't know. Um, but apparently, like, he he researched this, but, uh, but somehow neglected to see that it was a racist image. And wanted it on the back cover of the album, but the whoever was releasing the album was like, mm, mm. "Just why don't we just change the colors? How's oh that? <laughs> like, let's add some pinks and some greens, yes. really liven it up a little. Some nice pastels, Ooh. very springy. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe throw an Easter bunny in there just to really, you know, keep the mood light. You keep, know what? Keep people the kids thinking. interested." <laughs> But, so, fun facts. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> the original drummer of Bathory is Jonas Ackerlund, whose name you might recognize because he's directed a ton of music videos for a ton of popular oh, pop yeah. artists. Like, his most notable video was probably Ray of Light by Madonna. And he's done a bunch of videos for Madonna. For He did Smack My Bitch Up by Prodigy. Um, he did one for Metallica. He's done Smashing Pumpkins, Christina Aguilera. He did the telephone video with Lady Gaga and Beyonce. But, like, that's very much his aesthetic, which you wouldn't think. No. This dude who was originally part of a very influential metal band. No. Very, very strange. No. Yeah, no. (laughs) None of that adds up. (laughs) But, I mean, I really like that telephone video. (laughs) So let's move on to... To these fucking kids here. Kids! <laughs> kids. And I'm going to refer to them as kids because you have to remember everybody it, that I'm going to talk about in this is between 18 and 23 years oh, old at kids. the time. They're fucking kids. These are the kids you see working at Hot Topic. At least that's who I picture whenever I hear this story. <laughs> Kinda. Yeah. But like, they really went you know, out of bounds with a lot of shit. It's like 
kids, it's like, okay, you build a hot topic in a backwoods town and that's all you got. You've got like a corner store and a hot topic. Oh boy. So the kids shop at hot topic. But then what else are they going to do? Right. Set fire to churches. Right. There you go. We'll get to that. So Mayhem was formed in Oslo, Norway in 1984. It's pretty much a consensus that Mayhem were the originators and the biggest influencers on the Norwegian black metal scene. In particular, Euronymous has been credited, credited as originating the distinct sound found in this particular metal scene. Mm -hmm. In particular, they play full chords instead of power chords. Oh. So it gives it this very, like, I don't even know how to describe it. Very dirty, very raunchy kind of. Not muddled, but like, kind of, yeah. Like that fuzzy, very sonic boom kind of noise. Does that make any fucking sense? Yes, but I mean. I'm trying to think of adjectives and my brain don't work <laughs> my brain don't work no yeah yeah it's um it's a fuller sound it's a thicker sound yeah you can't really what you normally hear in metal it's like metal it feels like almost staccato whereas what you're saying it's it's almost like it's like oh no i'm going yeah. through the whole thing you're not hearing individual notes you're not hearing like like a normal metal solo. Right. Like all the different notes that they're playing. You're not hearing that. You're just hearing boom, boom, boom. You're just That's hearing the chords. Basically. You're not hearing any melody or melodic tones to it. Right. I can feel your boyfriend, Mike, just grabbing his beard in anguish and pain right now whilst we really attempt to describe <laughs> the sound. He's crying into a pillow. He's like, why? Why? <laughs> So Euronymous would also become an incredibly influential person in the scene and almost acted as a leader of the group, which would become known as the Black Metal Inner Circle. Yes. These kids came together not only because of their music, but also because of a shared ideology. Life was too good in Norway, and people needed to see how awful and depraved life truly was. Total teenage angst bullshit. Yup. Total teenage oh my bullshit. God, nope, nope. Because like, I can remember feeling like not that life was too good, but like I remember as a teenager feeling like, oh, these adults are lying to themselves, man. They don't, they don't yeah. get with the real world. Exactly. Like, whereas 16, 17 year old Maggie, she didn't fucking have right. any idea what the real world right. was like. But the difference between 16 year old Maggie and Ashley and these 16 year olds is that. Somehow they had access to weapons, and also, they have nothing else to do. Wait a minute, we live in America, why didn't we have guns? Because we were 16, you don't give a 16-year-old a fucking gun! I understand, but we also grew up, and I grew up in, it was the middle of nowhere, but it was close Where enough Where was to, your gun? I, You're not helping your case. My dad locked them up, that's yeah, where they were. Damn. And my parents were very anti-gun. <laughs> Mine were not. Well, my dad wasn't. <laughs> anyway but like why did they have guns and we didn't yeah but i kind of feel like even in the 80s and early 90s norway i want to say had much more lax rules yeah with i'm sure they did handling guns and getting guns i think in general just i feel like even their rules with the utes was just a lot more lax yes yeah. in general europe they're so much more laid back. I feel like once you hit about 14, 15 in Europe, they're kind of like, 
You'll figure it out. Yeah. And they leave you to your own devices. And Norway also has much less, well, I want to say much less crime than we do. It does. And at least much, much fewer violent murders um, with guns. Yeah. Basically. Like just in general, yeah. Their, their violent crime rate is lower than ours. Right. So. They are a smaller country, but still I think the ratios even add up. Yeah. And that's why they had guns and we didn't. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh. Mm, and Columbine, it just happened when we were 16, so. This could go on forever. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm going to edit this out or not. Let's continue. <laughs> Let's keep it going. <laughs> so, honestly, these guys were a bunch of spoiled brats. Yeah. Life was too good for them, so why not start worshiping Satan and burn down some churches to really show people how awful it all is? So, what I you're guess. saying is they needed a hot topic. <laughs> No, they really didn't. Nobody needs a hot topic. So Mayhem went through a bunch of lineup changes, and in 1988, Mayhem's most well-known lineup formed. Along with Euronymous on guitar, there was bassist Jorn Struberud, also known as Necro Butcher. Ooh, drummer, I like Necro Butcher. Yeah, that's a pretty good one. Uh, drummer Jan Axel Blomberg, also known as Hellhammer. Ooh. And vocalist Per Ingve Olin, also known as Dead. Hmm. Dead. Like the beer I'm just about to open. Uh, yeah. Also, the hell hammer is my penis. <laughs> That's a clam hammer. Well, yeah. Just keep going. There's a reference to a musical. Oh, that's why I don't know it. Yes. Okay, got it. Uh, they had already kind of made a name for themselves before their lineup finalized. They had released a demo called Pure Fucking Armageddon, and shortly afterward, in 1987, released an EP called Death Crush, which quickly sold out all 1,000 copies that were originally made. Death Crush became kind of like a, a cult CD. Oh. It, it was, if you had it... It was, like, the fucking holy grail. Was it, like, released more like a demo? Was it a limited no. kind of release? Well, yeah, it was limited because they only had so much money right. at that point to release it. And I don't think they ever re-released it. Huh. I, I might be wrong on that. Don't quote me on that. But I don't think they re-released it. But still, like, the, the original pressing was only a thousand copies. Damn. With the addition of vocalist Dead, who joined in 1988. Mayhem's live shows would become notorious. Yeah. Side note, Mayhem barely played any shows. Right. Barely. Yeah. Well, with good reason. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they were so few and far between, yet the band was so notorious for their sound that their shows became kind of like unicorns or Ooh. super special events that everyone went to, but everyone went to them because they rarely ever happened. Yeah. That's one of those events you're like... Oh, the ticket's going to be $300, but I need to spend it. Yeah. I mean, in 2018 money. In t 80s money, it was probably like, 15 bucks, y'all go. <laughs> if they even had to pay for it. Good point. They were probably playing at each other's houses. Who knows? All right. But side, side note, Bathory mm. never played a single show in their entire career. Wait, really? Yeah. They never played a single live show. Really? Yeah. What? I don't. I don't even know how you can do that. But yeah, they never played a show wow, because the scene must have just been a really tight knit networking group. Yeah, it had to be. Like, remember how Riot Girls had a super strong zine 
network yes. and that's how they passed information that's how these guys did it too oh they, so riot girls got the idea from black metal <laughs> cool or, or black metal got it from riot girls who knows it was all around oh, the same true. time that's true so yeah they were big into zines and that's how they got all of their information that's how like norway knew about swedish bands how swedish bands knew about norwegian bands that's how it all happened I personally missed the zine era. Like, I, it just flowed right over my head. I never read a zine. I never got a zine. And I really feel like I missed out on something. I was sort of pulled into kind of a fledgling zine. Zine scene. Zine scene. Ooh. Um, but this was, this was like maybe 10 years ago. And people were still doing zines. I, I still arguably see zines once in a blue moon. But yeah. yeah. You it's not a thing anymore. We have the internet. <laughs> Chill, kids. Just get on your phone. <laughs> so, Dead was a guy like no other. Oh. He was chronically depressed, described as melancholic and dark, and also mentally insane the by some of two, his friends. The first two don't really do it justice, do they? No, they do melancholic. not. Melancholic. Yeah, that was a quote from one of his friends. Melancholic mm. and dark, and also mentally insane. It's a quote. Eeyore is melancholic. <laughs> He Dead. not so much. Not an Eeyore. Not he was, an Eeyore. Oh my god. Not an Eeyore. If Eeyore cut his face all the time. Eeyore continually just stab Oh, I don't know though. Eeyore stabs himself with his tail a lot. Oh yeah, because you have to poke him in the butt to get mm. the tail to stick. You know what? Starting to see a connection now. Dead might be an Eeyore. Maybe uh yeah. Extreme Eeyore. Oh yeah. Um, he was extremely introverted and often expressed hatred for this world and his longing to get out of it. He talked about suicide constantly. Mm-hmm. And he also believed that maybe he was actually dead. Right. Just a walking corpse, basically. That about, you know. Because as a child, he was in an accident that caused a lot of internal bleeding. Dead said it was from an ice skating incident, but his brother said it was because Dead was beaten up by classmates yeah. and suffered a ruptured spleen, mm. which I would, I kind of believe that yeah. a little bit more. I think that's more of the official story than what Dead said. Yeah. Either way, he was rushed to the hospital where he was clinically dead for a period of time, but they revived him. That, arguably, that's gotta really fuck with you. Oh, yeah. Because he, there was one uh, paragraph in... Lords of Chaos, where he actually describes uh, the his experience of dying and how he talked to some, like, spiritualist person afterwards. And they were like, oh, yeah, you fucking died, man. Oh, no. <laughs> hey, you were real fucking dead. They were like, you were on the other side and they pulled you back. So he really thought that he was basically a walking corpse, that he was meant to be dead, but they brought him back. That's so fucked. Yeah. And on stage, Dead made a pretty big impression he went to great lengths to cultivate an atmosphere of brutality and mayhem shows by doing things like displaying pig's heads on stakes, breaking bottles and cutting himself with a broken glass, which once landed him in the hospital. Ugh. Yeah, he probably nicked an artery once in a blue moon. Well, he, he like, really cut himself, like, Ugh, yeah. real bad. Ugh. Um, And he, he was losing a lot of blood, but he wouldn't stop the show. Ugh. So... After the show, they brought him to the hospital, and at the hospital, they told him, um, yeah, you waited too long, so we can't even put stitches in that. You're just gonna have to deal with it. Holy shit. Yeah. Oh, Good job, guy. Wow. You mean dead? Good job, dead. (laughs) Good job, dead. 
but it worked. Mayhem only played maybe a handful of shows in those days, but the shows were always memorable, and it got people talking about this new kind of metal. Yeah. I mean, honestly... If if I saw somebody doing that on stage, I'd be like, fuck, guys, and group text everybody I know. (laughs) And then I would throw up everywhere because I cannot handle, like, blood and shit, so... Or pigs' heads on steaks. Oh, oh, probably smelled so bad. Oh, yeah. And they're probably in some dark, dank basement somewhere. Right. Just with fucking five dead pigs' heads and some dude cutting himself with a broken bottle, which is super unhygienic. Yeah. And maybe you'll get to this. Didn't he always, like, rub himself in dirt and not shower so he smelled dead? Yeah, he, like, he wanted to create this this atmosphere of like total disgusting death and rank shit and whatever. So he would bury his clothes for a few days before they would play a show because he wanted the, the stench of death on him. Yeah. And he wanted, he wanted to look like he just crawled out of the ground. Yeah. Effective. It it was effective. (laughs) And then you put those clothes on and then you fucking cut yourself. You are asking for tetanus. You are asking for it. Was this still the 80s, 90s? Yes. They don't, I, I want to say that they didn't no, know. They knew. They fucking we knew. They fucking, fucking knew. I knew as a child that tetanus was something I didn't <laughs> yes. want. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but on April 8th, 1991, something would happen that would throw the fledgling black metal scene into the limelight. Death was found dead from a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head. Also, his wrists were slashed and his throat was cut. He left a suicide note, the first line of which reads, Please excuse all the blood. And this shows you really how fucked up these guys were. Oh, God, this fucking... Yeah. So, So, this was Euronymous, Dead, and Hellhammer were all sharing an apartment in Craigstad. And Euronymous found Dead... In his bedroom inside the apartment, which was, Craigstad is like southeast of Oslo-ish. Sure. Yeah. Geography. Yeah. But Euronymous didn't call the police right away Mm -mm. because, you know, why would you when you find your dead friend, brains all over the place, blood everywhere. Like, it was a fucking shit show of a scene. Completely. He had, he shot himself with a rifle. Yeah, and like it was like you not something that's not meant for up close shots, and or he any shots. Really? <laughs> but it, I think it was more like a hunting rifle. Yeah, like it was meant to really fuck fuck up a face. Yeah, if it was shot up close, it would it fuck it would fuck up your face, and it fucked up his face like real hard. Mm. Um, so he didn't call the police right away. Instead, he left the apartment, went to a store down the street. Bought a disposable camera. He came back, manipulated Dead's body and the items around him, presumably to make the scene look more brutal for photos, and took pictures of Dead's body, gunshot wound featured prominently in all the photos. And one of these photos would end up being the cover photo for a bootleg mayhem CD called Dawn of the Blackhearts. I'm always curious to look it up, but I won't. Because everyone who said they've looked it up said, you will never get that image out of your mind. Nope. Oh, did and you like, look it up? 
Oh, it's in it's in the book. Oh no, it's in Lords of Chaos. Oh no, and it's not a very good picture in Lords of Chaos. Right, it's probably but, like all pixelated and small. But you and can, black and it's and in white. black and white. But you can still tell what's going on. Like that shit doesn't bother me. But like oh. I can bring that picture up in my brain right now. Like it, it's never going anywhere. That's like the shit that I would think about for months on end. Yeah. Like oh my god, it's 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 a fucking scene, man. <laughs> if you're remotely squeamish. Do not look it up. Yeah, don't do it, guys. But I ho- didn't do it, so don't. You know what? I'm a happy person. You know what? I'm going to imagine it's like it's like two girls, one cup. I've never seen it. I know what happens. You don't want to see it. Exactly. I don't want to see it. That fucked me up more than that picture. <laughs> <laughs> Way more. I believe it. Yeah, it was terrible. So shortly after dead suicide, rumors started of Euronymous's involvement in it. Many recalled Euronymous having little sorrow over Dead's death and said he was trying to glorify the suicide in order to cultivate a more evil and morbid mood surrounding the scene. Which, may I interject and throw my own opinion that Euronymous, I don't think, I mean, obviously I don't think he had anything to do with it. It was definitely a suicide, but I think he's just an idiot. Oh, he's a total idiot. I think he's just an aloof human being who doesn't understand things anything and he just saw an opportunity to do something real brutal and was like this will make me look real cool yep and and i feel like that's kind of his mo throughout his life as we talk about it more i think we'll discover like he just wants to look as fucking metal and brutal as possible oh, he but wants, he's not he wants to look so cool to his oh, friends he's trying he's so hard one of those tryhards that want that like everything that comes out of his mouth is to make himself look more yeah. cool and everyone else is like guys dude <laughs> we fuck oyston we know what you're doing. Oh, we know what you're doing. You don't have to impress us. But no, but look at these fucking brutal pictures, man. Dude, yeah. you should have called the cops. <laughs> well, I did. Eventually. <laughs> <laughs> um. So then there was the cannibalism rumor. Euronymous sometimes, but not entirely, denied the rumor that he collected bits of Dead's brain, made them into a stew, and ate it. I still think that's, like, beyond his intelligence. Yeah, I don't think he would do that. I think that was definitely just a rumor. He could have just started that rumor himself. Who knows? is very much a step one, dig a hole, step four, profit kind (laughs) of guy. Oh, yeah, definitely. He's missing steps in the middle. Yeah. He'll he'll figure it out. He'll figure it out. But, like, it's going to be a mess. Yeah. So Hellhammer actually confirmed this rumor and even said Euronymous thought of sawing Dead's arm off and putting it under a glass display case, but he figured it wouldn't be very smart because the police would probably ask where his arm was. Yeah, probably. I mean, maybe. If that's not a step one, dig a hole, step four, profit move, <laughs> I don't know he's what He's got it some hair braid schemes up in there. <laughs> oh, you're... Oh, no, no, no. Dead gave it to me. It was a gift. He gave it to me after he killed himself. He said I could have it. (laughs) I took it before you could. (laughs) Fucking feds. He said I could have it. (laughs) He said I could have it. But Euronymous did, however, admit to collecting pieces of Dead's skull and making them into jewelry and to give them to friends. That's disgusting. Yeah. 
If anybody ever walks up to me, here's um, here's a necklace I made out of uh, Jerry's skull. Well, I don't want it. I'm good. I'm good. Let me barf all over it. Thanks. I'm good. Thanks, brah. Keep it. (laughs) But he he kept like flip flopping back and forth between saying he ate the brains and not right. Like I think he he did. did that on on purpose, obviously. But. Dead's death was pretty much a turning point for Euronymous. According to the drummer for Emperor, who called himself Faust, Dead's suicide, quote, marked the point at which, under Euronymous's direction, the black metal scene began its obsession with all things satanic and evil. Right. This was, like, the catalyst that he needed to just throw fucking caution to the wind and be like, I'm just going to be Satan 24-7 now. <laughs> Satan 24-7. All day, every day. Live Two water cannons, no dress code. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no dress code. I mean, with Satan, I can't imagine he would expect one. I would hope not. <laughs> it was also his opportunity to throw black metal into the spotlight. The way he did this was to claim dead committed suicide because the metal scene had become too trendy and commercialized. Oh, jeez. Come on. He started railing against the, quote, trend people. He actually called them trend people. Trend people. Fantastic. Trends people. Trends people. <laughs> they were only pretending to be extreme and brutal, who were ruining everything from the old black metal scene by being posers. So you're saying don't put a hot topic in town. Yeah. He's, okay. He's railing against the hot topic people oh. at this point. <laughs> So he was using dead suicide as a way to show how brutal the inner metal circle was, that they were so dedicated to this, to the scene that they would kill themselves for it. And you know what? I'm going to give it to him because it worked. Right. The scene really started gaining traction as one of the most brutally violent music scenes in the world. And eventually this would, this scene would become like tabloid fodder. Oh yeah. It was ridiculous. And it's funny because you never heard about any of this going on in America. No. You didn't hear about this black metal scene in Norway that was like flames and murder. Right. I just vaguely remember metal music being kind of labeled as bad, anti-Christian fire. Like, like yeah. that's really how I feel like we translated it over here. Yeah. Like, the hardest we were going to go was kiss. Like, right. Like, f- fucking Stop. <laughs> stop. <laughs> To combat these trend people, trends peoples, trends peoples, trends peoples, and create a stronger inner metal circle, Euronymous had a brilliant idea to open a record shop in Oslo and use this as a central meeting place, an apartment house for random band members to stay while in town, and a practice space. Naturally, he used his parents' money to rent the space. Because he's spoiled brat. Oh, like, but isn't life really hard and tough and he needs to be so dark and brooding and metal? But he's not hard enough to deny his parents money. You know what? I'm not either. <laughs> <laughs> like, if my parents would be like, here's a bunch of money, I'd be like, all right. Are you sure? I'll okay. take it. <laughs> he named the record shop Helvetta, the Norwegian word for hell. And this shop was a goth kid's dream. Hot topic wishes it was the shop. Euronymous painted the walls black and decorated it with metal records, pictures of metal bands, medieval weapons, and styrofoam tombstones. You know what? 
That does sound really awesome. I wish my bedroom looked like that. It was basically Party City Halloween Isle on a good day. <laughs> Mike would never and let me do that to our bedroom. But you know what? I'm, I'm cool with that. I would decorate my house like that. Right? It was way too big and way too expensive to house a record store that catered to a very small portion of the population, and Euronymous knew it. He had to section off half of the store because he didn't have enough records and wares to fill the entire thing. Oh, Muffin. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. He... Step four, profit. Exactly. <laughs> Act now, think later. <laughs> he clearly had no idea how to manage a shop either, and almost right off the bat, he landed in financial difficulty. Oh, you don't say. Yeah, right? But he kept the shop open despite losing money because it's not his money, it's his parents' money. Oh, God, it's painful. Okay. And it did end up functioning as a central space for the scene. It was a meeting point. It was it was where, like, everybody would meet up for, you know, hangouts or whatever. People would be living in the basement for a period of time. Um, that guy, Faust, that I just talked about, he mm-hmm. actually worked there. Oh, yeah. And he lived in the basement. <laughs> So basically, so. it's like this guy's like, I opened up a record shop, guys, and um, I got uh, I got some spots open. If y'all want to work here, you're not really going to get paid money, but yeah. you can rehearse here. Uh, yeah. Do you need to sleep here for like a week? Because you can. I mean, I can give you this like sweet poster of like uh, Bathory if you want it. Can I show you these cool suicide pictures that Dad did? That I did of Dad? <laughs> I mean, whoops. He told me he was going to give me his arm. <laughs> he told me I could have it. <laughs> it's mine. And everyone's like, God, I fucking hate you. <laughs> I just hate Why him. are you he's, still here? He's that, like, I am 100% picturing that friend. That you're like, I'm friends with him. I know he means well. <sighs> yeah, but I I just can't. I can't. Like, like sometimes I'll be like, hey, guys, um... You want to come hang out, watch this new sweet horror movie? Mm, I want to see it, but I really don't want to see you. Yeah. I'm going to say, ooh, I, uh, you know we what? my options Gotta here. Gotta give my grandma a bath. Sorry, brah. <laughs> Sorry. She's, she's doing real bad. Gotta go pray Gotta to Satan go. tonight. Sorry. <laughs> oh, I could come. No, I'll pray to Satan by myself. Thank you. No, I, I, I have so much stuff in my car. I can't give you a ride. Bye. Bye. <laughs> He's that friend that is always asking for a ride. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, Euronymous is the worst friend. You know, I've never seen pictures of him. Oh. And I kind of oh. never want to see pictures oh, of him. Oh, what a tiny little rat face oh, idiot. Oh, then he does look exactly how I picture him. Yeah. Oh, good. And <laughs> I'll, prob- I'll talk about this in the next episode, but there's so many pictures of him wearing cropped t shirts. <laughs> Oh my god, he probably made it look so good. He was like, Gwen Stefani wished she had his abs. Oh, that man rift. And like, Mm. and he would wear like the bullet belt uh, and the long, scraggly black hair. (laughs) Fantastic. I remember the 90s. What a fucking dream boat that guy was. (laughs) Nettle dream boat. Anyway. So from his record shop in Oslo, Euronymous started up a small black metal record label called Death Like Silence Productions. He had grand plans to distribute music and spread evil to the masses. By mid-1991, he had contracts with band like Dark, bands like Dark Throne, Burzum, Immortal, Enslaved, and Emperor, all Damn. of which became huge names in the Norwegian black metal scene. So these, these were like 
baby metal bands. They were they were little babies. Right. And but this, some of them become pretty big but deals. They would become fucking huge. Right. Absolutely. I guess I didn't think of it from that end. I'm like, wow. Yeah. But all was not so rosy in the black metal inner circle. What? Yeah, don't say. Financing for record distri- distribution was virtually non-existent. Any royalties made off of the albums sold from DSP were supposed to go to the bands themselves, but Euronymous was supposedly keeping the money and blowing it all on other things. His like friend, femurs? <laughs> was it femurs? He didn't have the femurs. That was King Diamond. No, I know, but like I could picture him being like, yo, I'm going to buy some femurs. Maybe I'll get we'll like... go to Party City and get some uh, styrofoam femurs. I got oh. these sweet tombstones from there. <laughs> I'm going to buy a cow heart. They put look it in so a jar. Great. It looks so metal. <laughs> Guys, I'm so metal. Witness me. Oh, he just wants them to witness him. Oh. So his friends were starting to get pretty pissed off about it. None more so than Varg Vickerness. Oh, hi, Varg. Welcome <sighs> back. Welcome to the party. Oh, Varg. What about Varg? What about Varg? Oh, <laughs> Like I mentioned before, Varg was the sole member of the band Burzum. He got involved with the black metal scene through playing in a short-lived band called Old Funeral, which is just the dumbest fucking name. I'm sorry. I've heard about that new funeral. No, I only go to that old funeral. <laughs> just the old one. That sounds like a weird 20s joke. <laughs> I'll tell you something. Ah, hot cha 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 no new funerals for me, just the old ones. I just like the old Ha-cha-cha. funerals. <laughs> I only like the old ones. Stupid. <laughs> I don't even know what we're doing. <laughs> After old funeral dissolved, he started Burzum in 1991. The early Burzum demos caught Euronymous's attention, and he quickly signed Burzum to Death Like Silence Productions. After that, Varg and Euronymous became friends, and Varg even joined Mayhem briefly after Dead died. Varg's parents worked for a large oil company, so he actually lived in Baghdad for a time when he was six years old. Wow. This is where he became aware of quote-unquote racial matters. Oh, there's people of different colors. Mm. 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 Once, after insulting a teacher and calling them a monkey, Varg wasn't subjected to corporal punishment like his Iraqi classmates. (gasps) According to him, the teachers, quote, didn't dare to hit me because I was white. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. (laughs) Fuck you, Varg. I don't know how accurate that is because, as we will find out, nothing Varg says can be trusted at all. But apparently this incident gave him the impression that white people were better than everybody else. Not helping matters was the fact that his parents were casual white supremacists as well. Oh, just the casual. Just casual. Just ca- like, maybe like once a weekend, they're like, we're going to go volunteer down at the Nazi community center. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the Nazi community center. <laughs> Is that a thing that could be possible? I hope not. I hope not, too. But it probably is. Um, It's 2018, guys. Did you know that? I didn't. (laughs) Yeah, apparently, as as he describes it, his mom, like, tried tried to preach tolerance, but at the same time, she was deathly terrified that Varg would come home with a black girl. Right? (laughs) Damn it. Yeah. And, like, 
And like his, he said his, he was always pissed off at his dad because his dad like was more tolerant. Like he, apparently his dad had like a Nazi flag hanging up somewhere in their house. But he's more tolerant. But then he was like too tolerant for Varg's liking. So I don't know. Fucking bullshit. But anyway, yeah, great people, right? Good good times. Good times with Varg Varg family. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So this innate racism eventually led Varg into the more white supremacist aspects of Old Norse mythology. But in those early days of Burzum, he was heavily into Satanism, much like Euronymous and the rest of the kids in the black metal circle. So naturally, what are a bunch of spoiled Satanist teenagers to do when they're not playing music and ruining a record shop? burning down some churches. I mean, why not? Because that, yeah, that's logical, right? Yeah, that's step four, profit. Yeah. <laughs> they were just doing step four over they and over again. They were just hitting step four. They're like, I don't know what steps one through three are. Let's just hit step four and we'll figure it out from yeah. there. Yeah. Sounds like a great idea. Yeah. So the first church arson took place on June 6, 1992. This was the Fantoft Stave Church, dating from the 12th century, was burnt to the ground by someone in the inner black metal circle. Varg was eventually charged with the crime, but he was found not guilty and the actual guilty party was never determined. Now, a stave church, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but this is, it's, they're very, very old uh, Christian churches that were built about the time that Christianity came to Scandinavia and came to Norway. right, right, right. They were made out of wood and they're like, if you see them, they're like the super stereotypical Nordic yeah. looking building with the sharp, a bunch of sharp steeples and the little crosses yeah. at the top. It's, it's kind of basic. Yeah. But also like very like Viking looking. Yeah. It's, it's a sensible church. Yes. Sensibly built. And they're very beautiful. Right. Very beautiful. So fuck you for burning it down assholes right i mean i'm not religious neither am i but churches are pretty i am old churches are pretty yeah i am not a religious person i personally disagree fervently with the christian church however i appreciate the architecture and art in a real good church like a nice old church yeah them shits is pretty yeah so yeah fuck you for burning it down i mean that was Pretty much my concentration in, in college was medieval architecture. Huh. And what do you talk about with medieval architecture? Church. Churches. That's pretty much it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> hey, I took an art history course, and when we talked about architecture, churches. Churches. And Greece. Mm-hmm. That's about it. Greece is kind of boring to me, but I fucking love a good medieval church. By January 1993... Seven church arson attacks were committed by members of the Norwegian... How many? Seven. That's a lot. That's a lot of churches. That's a lot of churches. And there's not a whole lot of these churches around. Because while you said Christianity was the the religion, it's not like people are like, you know, born again or even... Even... Evangel... Evangelicals? God damn it. Why? (laughs) Anyway... But the point is, yeah, they're not like these, like, oh my god, church is life. They're just like, hey, it's Sunday, let's go say, hey god. Yeah. So, I can't imagine there's too many churches around just to yeah. spare. Especially I'm, if they're going with these older churches that are Right, nice. and a lot of these churches were <laughs> were preserved out of posterity. Mm-hmm. And 
they weren't necessarily the stave churches weren't necessarily used for worship. They were mostly used as historical uh, landmarks. So people weren't really going there for church services oh, on shit. Sunday. They were going there to like, hey, this is kind of a museum kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Like now that sucks. Like that sucks more. Yeah. But I think they they chose these churches specifically because a they were Christian. B, they were historically important mm-hmm. and people wanted them around. Right. And C, they were made out of wood, so they were easy to burn and they'll burn quickly and they will burn to the ground before people can actually get to them t- to put the fire out. Yeah, arguably, even if you get to them in quote unquote time, you're probably not going to save much. Yeah, no. It's wood. Yeah. There's no stone. Yeah, you're fucked. Yeah, you're pretty much fucked. Ugh, that sucks. So, this shit was serious. Although a majority of Norwegians didn't practice Christianity or really affiliate with any particular religion, Christianity was historically an extremely important aspect of Norwegian culture for hundreds of years. The churches these shitheads were burning were historically important, but then again, if you want your message to be heard, you gotta go big or go home. So why not burn the important churches? Obviously. Got a point. I can't argue with it. Right? So they're burning these bitches down, telling everyone, hey, we don't like this Christianity shit. BT dubs, you heard the good word of Satan? (laughs) (laughs) But isn't isn't what they're doing kind of the opposite of true Satanism? I mean, isn't true Satanism, it's actually a lot more positive than that, and it's not necessarily anti-Christianity. Well, from what I understand, there's actually different kinds of satanism there's levian satanism there's a more uh christian affiliated satanism i don't know but these guys were not levian satanists which i i don't really know what that means no i was like but you i was like i don't know what she's saying yeah but she sounds so confident i'm gonna just go with it i sound confident (laughs) you should cut down that part where i don't sound confident oh i'm, I'm gonna edit that out it's fine it's fine she knows what she's talking about everyone yeah levain levain but i think a bigger reason for them burning these churches down was boredom yeah a hundred percent they were disillusioned teenagers hellbent on showing people how brutal and metal they are so a better way to do that than burn some shit down and like bored teenagers they also they always dabble in arson. Yeah, I was gonna say when I was a teenager, I set so many stuffed animals on fire just to fucking watch it burn. Yeah, it was really fun, and my mom thought I was doing witchcraft. Well, you might have been. I wasn't that time. I would have been. I mean, like she found my <laughs> Wiccan book and then saw like I like took pictures. Oh my gosh, those things of... have nothing to do with each other. I know. <sighs> I know. I know that, but your Catholic mother doesn't. All right. <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you, my Catholic mom, no fucking idea. But yeah, she found like pictures of things that I had burned because I took pictures of things I burned. It's fine. I'm a (laughs) well-adjusted, balanced human being who had some Wiccan books and some pictures of stuffed animals I burned. I had a lot of Wiccan stuff. I I like to try and cast spells and stuff when i was younger yeah like i had never books and palm reading books oh, yeah. and zodiac books like i was all about and it and i got a lot of that shit from my mom so Aww. whatever that's real sweet yeah my devil books my secret language of relationships book that was my mom's oh isn't that cute yeah my mom didn't have any shit like that we had a bible <laughs> oh we had <laughs> jesus we had a bible 
And it was what was propping up our couch for a while. (laughs) (laughs) If, yeah, if you can let people know you're a Satanist that gives no fucks, then a historic church is the best way to get your point across. Yeah. Pretty much. I believe it. But burning down churches wouldn't be their only crimes for long. What? You mean they're going to escalate? You're so going to escalate? (laughs) A little bit. So in August of 1992, only a couple months after the Fantoff Stave Church burning, uh, Bord Ithun, or Faust as he came to be known, who I was talking about earlier, mm-hmm. who is the drummer for the band Emperor, savagely stabbed and killed a gay man in Lilyhammer, Norway. Jesus. Faust had been in Lilyhammer visiting his mother for the weekend when he had decided to go get a pint of beer at a local pub. Supposedly, the atmosphere didn't suit him, so he left to go back home. Oh, was it because he was at a gay bar? I don't think he was at a gay bar. I don't think he was at a gay bar either. I was just trying to set this setting where he's at a gay bar, and they're all having a really good time, and he's like, I fucking hate good times, (laughs) and he leaves. That's my Norway accent, by the way. I fucking hate good times. I fucking hate good times, and he leaves, and then he's like, I fucking hate gays, and he just stabs this gay man. stabs everyone. This just turned into a really bad Flash video in my head, like Newground style, yes, bitch. Yes, yes. <laughs> this is fucking Homestar Runner. Oh my so god. Metal dude just It's not even people. as good as Homestar Runner. Yeah, no. <laughs> so he was walking by a park that happened to be set up for the Winter Olympics that year when a man named Magna Andreasen approached him. He asked Faust for a light, but he was already smoking. Faust surmised that he was a gay man looking for sex, and Faust didn't appreciate that since he's a homophobic asshole. (sighs) But instead of walking away when Andreasen asked Faust to go into the woods with him, Faust said, sure, why not? He could have just walked away. He could have just walked away. But you didn't. But uh, uh, according to Faust himself, he was like, there was just something in me. At that moment, I determined I was going to kill this guy. Cool. You know what? Cool. That's never yeah. happened to me before. Me either. I've had women hit on me and I never was like, you know what? Today's the day I'm going to murder. <laughs> I'm going to fucking murder this bitch. No, you don't do that. No, that's not, You know what? Never. Ha- you know what? Even dudes that have hit on me and I don't want hitting on me. I've never thought today's the day. <laughs> murder. Murder. They So they walked deep into the woods and once there, Faust basically ambushed Andreasen and stabbed him 37 times in the stomach, neck, face, and back. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's a good... That Sure. Because you need to do that. Faust then walked away, but came back when he heard Andreasen making sounds and proceeded to smash his head in with his boot. <gasps> Come on! I'm pretty sure you killed him. He was probably just making, like, guttural sputting noises. I don't think you needed to smash his face in. Right. With your fucking boot. Right. You piece of human garbage. It just doesn't make any fucking sense no. to me. Like, you de- you determined you were going to kill this guy. All right. Why did you have to stab him 37 times all over and then kick his fucking head if in? If anything, this man complimented you. <laughs> right? You were hot enough to be hit on. Yeah. Take it as a compliment and walk away. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what we're always told, right? It's a compliment. Right? And we haven't committed murder yet. Yes. If we're in Norway, though. <laughs> we... yes. There's there's some arguments made to be able to do this in Norway. Touché. So somehow, 
not a single person saw Faust commit the murder or walk back home to his mother house after the murder, even though he was covered in blood. I was going to say, there's no way. He's covered in blood. Absolutely saturated. Mom didn't see him, supposedly. Nobody on the street saw him. Nothing. Maybe his mom was like, oh, God, he's out doing stupid's blood sports again. <laughs> it's fucking metals kids. Metals kids. <laughs> and they're Satan's. <laughs> Andreasen's body was found two days later by a jogging schoolgirl. Two days. Two days. Jesus. Two days. They were okay. They were deep into these woods, and I assume, I assume that the these woods were pretty expansive if the fucking Winter Olympics were set up right inside of them. I really have no idea, but but that wasn't going to be the only crime Faust committed that weekend. That weekend. He's a busy man. After returning to Oslo the day after the murder, Faust joined Varg Vikernes and Euronymous in another church burning. He figured, well, I just killed a guy, so it's okay to burn a church down, too. I mean, I actually, I don't know if I'll argue with his logic. I mean, you've already done one. You may as well do the other if you're right? going to fucking I mean, do it. Live your best life? Maybe. Don't say that to Magna Andreas, then. That evening, while watching the news, Faust realized the top two news stories were the murder and the church burning. Both of which... Both of which... Moms, I'm on <laughs> Both of which he committed. Like, aren't you prouds of you boys? Oh my god. <laughs> okay, cool. You're yeah. real cool, guys. Yeah, real cool. Real cool, guy. Staying on trend with most of these dipshits that murder each other... Faust showed absolutely zero remorse for killing Andreasen. In this particular case, it was because Faust is clearly homophobic. Right. To an absurd degree. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Okay, so like I know, yeah, now we know he's gay. But what if, what if he was just really drunk and didn't realize that a cigarette was lit? Or he was drunk and didn't realize that Faust was a dude. Right? He probably had long hair, right? He had long hair. He was thin. He was sinewy. You could, if he was wearing a baggy shirt, you wouldn't know. If he was wearing one of them crop tops, is the midriff hanging out? That was only Euronymous. Only Euronymous. Only okay. Euronymous. <laughs> Can we make crop tops to say only Euronymous? <laughs> Sell them. Yes, please. Chime in if you would buy that crop top, by the way. I'll so, make them. Faust later stated in Lords of Chaos, quote, I don't like it when they're trying to get people who aren't homosexual. It's okay if they want to be homosexuals, but at least they must stay within their own people. You know what? I'm pretty much thinking that you don't think it's okay that they're homosexuals. Yeah, I think I think you're on to something. I'm pretty, I'm sure, pretty you, sure you're on to something. Because I'm pretty sure deep down inside there's like a fucking kernel of a gay man hiding in there and you just can't fucking deal with it. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Can we wear something nice today? Hey, Shuts up. I don't. I'm not the gaze. Hey, I'm just saying, like, maybe take a shower. <laughs> hey, Faust, you want to get one of those crop tops like Euronymous has? I was no gaze. But, like, want to suck some dick? Yes. No. I mean, no. <laughs> no. No. No sucks no. dicks. <laughs> um. This is bad with all the alcohol I've been drinking. <laughs> so, lucky for him, the police could find no leads in the murder or the fire, and Faust remained a free man for an entire year. Ugh. It wasn't until after Varg was charged with murder in 1994 did Faust confess to Magna Andreasen's murder. 
He was eventually found guilty and sentenced to 14 years in prison. 14 for murder. But only served nine years and four months. Because Norway's fucked. I'd flip this table (laughs) if I didn't have so many important things on it right now. Yeah, that's that's like a trend with Norway. Like their maximum, yeah, their maximum is it like eighteen years or something ridiculous. Their maximum short? sentence for murder is twenty one years, and usually people do not uh, serve their full sentence. Yeah, because they're all like good behavior and bullshit. Which I mean, I I watched a documentary on Netflix about their prison system and what they try to do, and they actually legitimately try to rehab people and they go they go to great lengths to do that you know i was gonna make the argument of that too because initially hearing like oh my god i have 14 years blah 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 but i mean we are in a country where oh my god i'm gonna get a little political and i'm sorry and if you want to stop you can stop it's fine um we live in a country where we don't put people in jail in order to rehabilitate them. We put them in jail because to punish rich people, them. well, to punish and because rich people want yeah. to make a profit. Right. So for us, like when we hear 14 years, like that's not enough time, blah, 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 blah. But over in, you know, these Scandinavian countries where they're like, we're going to put you in jail and we want you to learn from your mistakes. We want you to learn to be a better person because what's the fucking point of keeping someone locked up for the rest of their lives? Right. Arguably. Um, I do understand, you know, murders, horrible rape, terrible like these things are awful and people shouldn't do them but where do we draw the line where we say you know what unforgivable you can't be cured blah 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 but if you're not going to give them life in prison or the death penalty what are you doing to prevent them from doing this when they leave right if you put a rapist in jail for five years which is pretty fucking generous at this point because six months probation fucking oh did you rape a woman you get three months like where we're gonna make you do community service uh one weekend a month yeah yeah cool but like where's the fucking rehab in that right at least norway has some kind of program where you go through intense fucking scrutiny and rehab and like restructuring at, at least it's something. Right. I guess arguably it would be, I would like to know what their, I have no idea. I would like to know what their system's like. You know, are they, do they vet people and say, oh, you know, we've looked at you, we've noticed you, we've seen how you've been doing, and you clearly seem like you're going to come out of this a better person. Well, there's a documentary on Netflix called, uh, I think it's called Breaking the Cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really good. It was about this, this guy who works at um, a Norwegian jail and they go through what they do in the Norwegian jail, the rehab programs, how they help their prisoners restructure their thinking and get them jobs when they get out and all this shit. And then he goes to American prisons and man, oh, he is so disappointed. He's He's just like, I cannot believe that this is, he's like, we don't do this in Norway. Yeah, because we don't, don't do this in Norway. They jail for profit in Norway. <laughs> right, they don't. They uh, Arguably, these private jails, they want people to leave and commit a crime again so that they can come back. Yeah. Because they're making fucking yeah. money. No one should be making fucking money off of jail. Yeah, no. What we should be doing is just trying to fucking rehabilitate people. 
So because fuck you jail, because throwing people in jail for profit is just perpetuating this culture of crime. Yeah. And we're not actually trying to tell you like, okay, here's what you did wrong. Here's why it's wrong. Here's how you can improve yourself. Here's how you can fight this. Here's how you can be a better person. Because here's how you can get a job after you get after you have jail on your fucking permanent record. I would imagine in Norway they probably have better jail work program work to jail. What is that? It's like prison work programs where they basically they teach you trades or you actually do work in the jail that when you leave jail. You can be like, oh, hey, I did this. Yes, I've been institutionalized, but I learned these skills and these trades. I I was clearly deemed well enough to leave. And you're not making one set an hour print, like, stamping fucking license plates. Can't afford gum in the fucking commissary. Like, yeah, fuck that. Yeah. We we have it wrong here. The only difference here, I think, in in context of this, of these fucking idiots in the black metal scene is that... None of them ever show remorse for any of their crimes. Oh. Faust never was remorseful for killing this guy. Well, then how the fuck did he get out? I don't know. Huh. What I did mean, he learn? I like, think, I don't regret that I did it, but I like, think, I won't do it again? I think in Norway, you don't have to show remorse for your crime. You probably just have to go through this program and do what you have to do. And then you can be let out early if you finish it early and, you know, do what you got to do. Whereas in America, you have to show remorse. Right. And I if wonder you want if parole. remorse is too easy a thing to fake. It, I'm sure it could be. I feel like remorse is pretty easy to fake. Yeah. If, like, if you're like a sociopath can easily fake remorse. Yeah. But like Faust never had any remorse for killing this guy. I'm assuming it's because of this fucking deep deep guttural hatred for gay people right <laughs> this little homosexual living inside of him you mean yeah because of that tiny little homosexual in there that's just like hey 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 girl hey girl let's put on some cute clothes and go to the bar no no, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god um, but like varg all of his crimes that he commits and i'll get into his trial and everything in the next episode but He's fucking ridiculous. Right. And if anything, being put in jail made him worse. Yeah, I mean, I I won't spoil it, but I know what happens. Yeah. And yeah, he didn't learn anything. He didn't learn anything except the, the only things that he learned when he was in jail is how to be a bigger piece of shit. Huh. Basically. All right, now I'm really curious how Norway fucking does it. Because... <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get it. Norway, come on. What are you doing, Norway? What's, what's going on? How do you do this? How you do this, Norway? But yeah, so that's it for this episode. I'm kind of bummed. I actually thought there was more. I'm like... Oh, there's more? I know, but like, I thought there was more right now. <laughs> no, I'm sincere. I, mean, I really was like, oh, no. we're done. You'll have to wait until next week because... <sighs> There's a lot to get to next week, and mm. I didn't want to, like, jump into it too early. Arguably, these two-parters are hard, because you got to find a good place to stop. Yeah, and I felt like this was a good place to stop, because there's a lot to get into. Oh, yeah. A lot goes on to the next one. All right, well, I guess we'll put a little bow on it for now. For now. Like a half bow, because it's not finished. A nice, dark, black bow. Yeah, like that. Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Um, if you could please rate and review us on iTunes, that would be pretty rad. Real solid of you. Follow us on all the things. We are on Facebook and Instagram at Rock Candy Podcast. We are on Twitter at Rock Candy Pod. We have our website, www.rockcandypodcast.com. There you can email us. You can comment on our episodes if you want. Start discussions. You ever want to hit us up for anything, feel free to. We will respond. We're pretty nice. We're, we're okay. And I mean, like, you know, we have internets on our phones, so it's not too hard to do that. So, yeah. Do that. Hit yeah. us up. Damn, Wait. I'm really excited for the next episode. I hope you guys are, too. And if you're not, well, I mean, this go one, fuck yourself. This one, this one was pretty tame compared to what next week is. We're going to get into some fucking shit. Oh, oh I'm excited. Week. I'm ready yeah. for it. My body's ready. My body. My body's <laughs> telling me yes. <laughs> and with that, party on, Ashley. Party on, Maggie. Oh, but this time we have to say skull. Skull. Yay. Skull. Skull. <laughs> skull, you crazy kids out there. Bye. Bye.